Yeah, hi, good morning everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning, middle of the week. It is Wednesday, the 11th of October 2023. Daniel Petgrew back with you for uh, this Wednesday show, broadcasting as always through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. 1300 01 1170, our open line number. Or you can text 0457-736736. That's all before breakfast with Vossi and Brandy, who are back after their little caravan journey together. I don't know where they were. Uh, it could be anywhere. Uh, but they are back on your radios from 6 a.m. For your Queensland listers, you will have the first hour of Vossie and Brandy before, of course, Patton Heels along at 6 a.m. local time. A lot to get through this morning as per usual. Uh, we've got some cricket, a uh, couple games of cricket actually played last night and into this morning. We'll get to the results of that in just a second. Of course, Australia in action tomorrow. Uh, the teams for the Pacific Test Championships beginning this weekend in the Rugby League have been named. Um, not a lot of surprises, a few surprises. One particular one in Samoan, the Samoan team, which we will get to uh, shortly. Also a bit of news out of the West Tigers. And also uh, we will have a chat with Matty Cox in just about 15 minutes time about all the issues happening in the world of sport, both here in Sydney and Melbourne and abroad. And we're looking forward to doing that as well. So plenty to look forward to this morning on this Wednesday morning, one 1170 or 0457 736 736. It's two past five in New South Wales, two past four in Queensland. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rain. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a ring. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install the ream, Australia's favourite hot water. Before we get to some of the news of the day, a couple of things for you this morning. I mentioned yesterday morning that the Super League grand final was on. Now it'll be on Sunday morning at 4am, so it is nice and early, I think. I'll be honest, I'll probably be taping it and watching it when I get up. I know there'll be a lot of people that will be watching it live. Um, we know there's a stack of ex-NRL players playing in the Super League and in the grand final this weekend. Mitchell Pearce playing his final game. And there was a good article in the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday with Andrew Webster. He was speaking uh, to Andrew Webster about his career and his career highlights. And he put, uh, I think, at the 2013 uh, grand final was a career highlight. Also played for New South Wales. Um now, we don't know if they're going to win. We don't know if he's going to go out on a high. But give me some fairy tale finishes. Players or athletes that have gone out on a high. It doesn't have to be just rugby league. It can be cricket. It can be AFL. It can be any sport. And it can be a team sport or an individual sport. But athletes that have gone out on a high, on a winning note, because there are so many that... and. Oh, look, rugby league is the obvious example. You could list about... I could list 5, 10, 15, 20 players that have, haven't gone out on the note they'd like to. Very rare that you go out on a winning note. But give me some examples of players or athletes that have managed to go out on a winning note. Like Mitchell Pearce may or may not do on Sunday. It does shape up to be a pretty good grand final as well. Big weekend of rugby league uh, with the two uh, Pacific Championship games on. And then we've got uh, the Super League grand final. So athletes, players that have gone out on a high. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 our open line number. Or 0457-736-736 is the text number. Um, also, Everest barrier draw done last night. We know it's happening this Saturday at Randwick. It is a big day. It's the seventh installment of the Everest might be something we chat to Matty Cox with um, about after uh, after the next break. Saw Peter Volandis on the news last night talking about the Everest. And look, 
to be fair to him, he wasn't comparing it to the Melbourne Cup. But some people are. Uh, is the Everest getting bigger than the Melbourne Cup? Look, I, I don't think so. I think the Everest is a great day. And I'm not a huge horse racing person. I watch the Melbourne Cup. I watch the big races. If I'm somewhere out and there's races on, I'll have a look at them. But I'm not going to sit in front of the TV and watch races every Saturday and Sunday. Um, however, um, does it compare to the Melbourne Cup? I think it's a very successful event. Clearly it is. But I still don't think you get the people you get at Melbourne Cup at the well, obviously the crowd at Randwick is good, but the people you get taking the days off uh, for the Melbourne Cup. And you just go out anywhere in Sydney, and I'm sure Queensland is the same uh, on Melbourne Cup Day, where it is not a public holiday, unlike Victoria, where it is. And everywhere is packed. Not many people do work after midday on Melbourne Cup Day. But do you disagree? Do you think the Everest is getting to where the Melbourne Cup is? Do you think it could ten could in 10 years be more popular than the Melbourne Cup? I'm not sure it will ever overtake the Melbourne Cup, but would love to hear from you. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. I'll go through the barrier draw that was done last night in spectacular fashion a little later on in the show at six past five. Cricket last night, there were two games in the World Cup. Uh, England played Bangladesh. England won that one by 137 runs off their 50 overs. They made nine for 364. Uh, Bangladesh all out on f after 48.2 overs, all out for 227. So Bangladesh all out for 227. In the other game, it was a really tight one between Pakistan and Sri Lanka, but Pakistan win by six wickets off their 50 overs. Sri Lanka made nine for 344. Pakistan managed to chase that down uh, with only losing uh, four wickets. It has to be said, they got it within 48.2 overs. So Pakistan winning by six wickets. So they're the two World Cup matches that were played yesterday or into this morning. Tonight, we've got India after their win against Australia the other day. They will take on Afghanistan and that'll be at 7.30 tonight. Of course, Australia in action against South Africa tomorrow and we'll have another chat with Paul Dennett tomorrow about that. 0457 736 or 1-300-01-1170. Some news of the day. An interesting story out of the West Tigers and involving uh, Samoan and New South Wales front rower Stefano Utakamanu, who we know had a very good year for the Tigers this year, or last year just gone, will abandon a top eight get-out clause and pledge long-term loyalty to the West Tigers. So good news for the West Tigers, but has implored his embattled club to stop leaking to the media. Utakamanu, uh, preparing for Saturday night's test match against Australia and Townsville, revealed a desire to re-announce a contract clause, a renounce, sorry, a contract clause, stating he was free to leave Concord after next season if the West Tigers failed to reach the finals. Um, however, he has said that he is going to be pledging his loyalty to the Tigers. Uh, keeping everything in-house and not leaking will definitely help not putting everything out to the media, Yudi Kamanu said. We don't help ourselves that much, not just players, but us as a club. It's just hard, the whole thing. There's probably too much coming out about us, and it's obviously not good. I feel like our club is in the media more than it would like to be. It's not the best. But he's also said, I'll be at the Tigers. I want to stay here. That's where I want to be. This is the club that gave me the opportunity to play rugby league at the highest level in the NRL. Back at my old club at Parramatta, I didn't get the same opportunity. So that is really good news for uh, the West Tigers. 
more good news, hopefully, for the West Tigers uh, next year with Benji Marshall in charge. But, yeah, that is great news for uh, the Tigers. Um, we now know the teams, or a lot of all the teams, for the Pacific Test Championships. We know Dylan Edwards will be on the wing for Australia. Uh, so a well-deserved debut. And as we know, he is going to be missing um, his brother's wedding. Uh, so James Adesco at fullback. No real surprise in the team. Katoni Staggs uh, will be there in the centres alongside the Hammer. Uh, Selwyn Cobble on the wing. Cam Munster, Daly Cherry Evans, the halves. Payne Haas, Tino, uh, the props. Uh, ben Hunt, the hooker. Cam Murray, Liam Martin, and Isaiah Yo. And the benches, Harry Grant, Lindsay Collins, Pat Garrick, and, and Ruben Cotter. So well done to all the players making their debut as well. Not a lot of players from the 2022 World Cup final squad, or 21 World Cup final that was played in 2022, um, and a few making their debut. Nico Hines, the 18th man. Interesting to see Samoa has have named Stephen Crichton at 5'8". Hasn't played, well, I don't, I don't recall him ever playing 5'8", maybe at a junior level. So Brian Tool there as well for Samoa, amongst others. We'll go through it more shortly after we speak to Matty, but Stephen Crichton at 5'8", how do we think he's going to go? Because he's going to the Bulldogs to play fullback. Interesting to see what happens with him at 5'8". We'll talk more about that in just a second. So 0457 736 736. Athletes that have gone out on top. Fairy towels on the high, on the back of Mitchell Pearce retiring this coming weekend. And has the Everest, is it going to overtake the Melbourne Cup at some point? Has it already? We'll have a chat with Matty Cox about that as well. So plenty to get through on this Wednesday morning. 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70 to your text. And we'll speak to the great Matty Cox on the other side of this. We're going to have a chat with Matty Cox in just a second. Don't forget we're here for Red Smoke Alarms. Think Red Smoke Alarms. Think redsmokealarms.com.au. And Amare Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. And we do this for uh, this chat with Matty Cox coming up from the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. Talking about players that have gone out on a high, athletes that have gone out on a high. Lots of texts there. I'll get to them in just a second. You can always call one 300 011170 or text 0457 736736 as we go down to Melbourne and have a chat with Matty Cox, host of Tradies News. Now on SEN, on SEN it's, it's time, time to, to trade, trade towns. towns. And a very good morning to you, Dan Pettigrew. Uh, hello, Matty. How are we? Oh, I'm not too bad for this Wednesday morning. Although uh, I hear you haven't been in the best of health, unfortunately. <laughs> I am fighting fit, fighting fit, just a slight cold, nothing to stop me. And I'm very, very happy that it's not turned into anything worse, which is great. Because yeah. there is there is a lot of colds and flus and everything flying around at the moment. But I'm here and, Manny, haven't taken the day off with this cold. So you'd be actually very impressed. Shocked and surprised is the way <laughs> I'd describe it. But anyway. Ow. That's a bit harsh. Uh, I am off in a month for a little while. Anyway, how are we, Matty? Because there's a lot going on despite uh, the football codes finishing up, although we do have some internationals, which we'll discuss shortly. But you guys are very much in the midst of your trade period. So just explain to the listeners here in New South Wales and Queensland who have heard of it, but may not be too across what this trade window is all about. So essentially, it's our player movement window. It's the only time of the year where our players at this stage can be either delisted mm. or signed by other teams. In some cases, we've got a free agency window that's been in operation for the last couple of years as well. That commenced on Friday. And essentially, it's for 
players that have been on a list at one club for an extended period of time. I think it's six years it might be for an unrestricted free agent. Uh, sorry, for a restricted free agent. Mm. And then it's over eight, I think. Um, there could be a year or two discrepancy there that I'm out. But for an unrestricted free agent, so essentially a restricted free agent, the club that currently holds the player can match mm. the bid or the contract that's on offer from a rival club. An unrestricted free agent can cross with no issues. There's delisted free agents as well. So if a player's been delisted in the past, they can just essentially walk without any attachment to the club because there's a little... I suppose, disclaimer on them going forward, which was the case for James Jordan heading to Sydney. He was delisted a couple of years ago by the D's, re-rookied, but he's decided to take up a free agency option with the Swans, who will be a pivotal part of this trade period. And then we've got the standard trade, which kicked off on Monday, and that's essentially where players can swap, picks can swap, but deals get struck for the next two weeks, I think it is. It'll all come to the crunch. But there's some high-profile players that are going to be on the move. We had our first yesterday, James Harms, a former premiership player at Melbourne. Didn't get many opportunities this year. He's headed across to the Western Bulldogs. And there's a watch on a whole host of players. Lockie Schultz from Fremantle was a bit of a shock on Monday when that news came through that he was seeking a trade to Collingwood. And the other big story that emerged late last week was surrounding Taylor Adams wanting to go to the Sydney Swans. This may have been reported up there, Dan, but he's currently the vice captain of Collingwood. has got one year in front of him in terms of a contract with the Pies to see out. But the Swans have offered him a three-year deal. A Probably more midfield minutes considering the depth of the midfield at Collingwood and he was kind of pushed out of position this season. So it'll be a curious watch to see what the Swans can pull off considering they all have to do a deal with Melbourne to get Brodie Grundy north as well, which is going to be very intriguing how it all plays out over the coming weeks. But this is our... This is our movement window. We don't we don't have the flexibility as your code does to be able to sign contracts in advance or move clubs. It feels like willy nilly to us down here throughout the course of the season. This is our only window. There's murmurs that we could get a mid season trade period, which will change the landscape slightly. But this is the only time our players can move teams mm. across the competition. Does that entice you? Is this something that the NRL model... It feels as if sometimes they want to go down this path and then at other times they want to keep what they've got. I think what it does do as well, Maddie, is that it keeps AFL very much in the headlines for at least a few weeks after the season ends because we we know when either the AFL or the NRL season ends, it is a bit of a flat period in terms of other sport. Well, luckily, we've got some what going on with the Cricket World Cup and a few other things, but it is good that it keeps it in the news. It is interesting, and I know we've spoken about this in the past, Matty, especially during the rugby league season, uh, when we've seen one player move from another club mid-season. Uh, I don't know whether a trade window or a draft would work in uh, the NRL. I-, I like the concept of uh, what you guys do in post-season. 
I don't know, firstly, if the players would uh, agree to it. Um, and then, even if the players agreed to it, you'd have to get everyone else on board as well, the clubs, the NRL, the ARLC, uh, and so on and so forth. I, I do think, though, and, and we've discussed this on my show before, is that the way we have it at the moment, and there has been talk, and it may have even been implemented, but there has been talk about a potential trade window throughout the middle of the season next year. There was talk about that throughout the middle of the year. There was talk about moving things around. But as it stands right now, in three weeks' time on November the 1st, uh, there are a heap of players and some very high-profile players that are off contract at the end of next year, so 2024, that teams can sign for 2025. Now, I've said this before that I I don't think, look, I think 99% of players that sign a contract 18 months beforehand still give their all to the club that they're playing at. I I still think that's the vast majority of people, but players. But I do think people... I don't know. I just think fans don't particularly like it when you see a player sign for another club 18 months ahead of schedule, especially if that player who is going to another club is currently at your club. And then you see these mid-season transfers. um, And sometimes I think that's fair enough because maybe it's an opportunity for a player that's playing reserve grade to play a bit of first grade elsewhere. But it does seem to be a bit all over the place in the NRL. And maybe we could get something a bit more like what you guys are doing. I just don't know if it's going to happen, but it would be an interesting one. I'd love to hear what my listeners think on the text line as well, because yeah, it's an interesting one. And to us, it seems, well, it's it's often described as your competition having more maturity than ours. The fact that players can walk or announce that they're heading off in the middle of the year and still wait six months to finish their existing campaign. Whereas, to us, we get all these rumours and speculation, and particularly with this free agency that's been uh, brought into our competition, that it, it just feels as though there's all these murmurs and everything mm. and it bubbles away and then it becomes a bigger story until we get to this moment of the year. Whereas when we hear about those sorts of manoeuvres in your competition and being signed, sealed and delivered virtually on the spot, we see it as a bit of maturity down here. So it's interesting to hear you describe that there could be some frustration with your process. Yeah, and you look, you still get rumours here, although I would have to say usually when the rumours come out, I'd say 80 to 90% of the time, it's probably only a few days before a player signs with their club. So usually the rumours end up being... True. And the, you've, we've got a player at South Sydney at the moment that is off contract at the end of next year. Now, Souths are wanting to keep him, but there are rumours going around that there are a couple of other clubs interested. Now, that that's fine, and I think that's okay in a sense during the off-season, even though the uh, player in question who plays for South Sydney, I'm sure their fans don't want to see him leave. I think during the off-season, it probably keeps the rugby, rugby league in the headlines a little bit. But what you don't want is to get that, and we do occasionally, but what you don't want is to get that right throughout the season. For example, just before we move on, Jerome Luai, uh, the Penrith Panthers 5-8, won three competitions in a row, um, although went off the field with about half an hour to go the other week, but still three Pete, four grand finals, has played State of Origin. Uh, he is off contract at the end of next year with the Penrith Panthers. Now, reportedly, the Panthers can offer him around $800,000, but another club can offer him up to $1 million, $1.1 million. Um, and it is a really interesting thing to see what he does 
whether he stays at Penrith for less but potentially win a lot more competitions or go to a club that is struggling and may not win a competition in the next five years but take the money. That sort of storyline as well, I think, is really intriguing. It's not one you get very often because we don't get a three-peat very often. So, yeah, going to be some interesting storylines in the world of NRL with players off contract as well at the moment. And then so in contrast to that particular story, we've got a couple of players that do come out of contract next year that have already been spoken about. Well, will they be traded this year to get a better deal? Those that are coming into free agency, will they just walk? So is there some manoeuvring that can be done this year? So that's how our story unfolds. And I should also point out that for the restricted free agents and... um, unrestricted I think it is Mm. there is a compensation which is given which has caused a little bit of heartache particularly with Ben Mackay's move to the Bombers that was confirmed yesterday but I'll hold the technicalities from you and not bore you with them, Dan. But Thank let's you. put it that way. It sparked the talk back down here. Yes, I, I can imagine. Now, I want to ask you about international. So we've got International Rugby League coming up this weekend. So, in fact, we've got now, uh, we had last weekend with no rugby league played in Australia. There was a Super League semifinals over in the UK. But now we've got four weeks, four weekends of rugby league back on up until the weekend leading into Melbourne Cup weekend. Um, and the Pacific Champions Championships highlight that. That involves Australia, New Zealand. We've got uh, PNG, Cook Islands, Samoa and Fiji in there. We also have uh, from next weekend, I think it is, three games in England with England playing Tonga. So the Rugby League does continue for the next month, which is great. And this comes off the back, of course, of the Rugby League World Cup last year. Um, and I, look, I'm one that thinks, and after having been at the final last year as well of the Rugby League World Cup in Old Trafford, don't know if I've mentioned that to you before, Maddie. Um, the way... We have to play more international footy um, to get these teams. And I'm not so much talking about the likes of Australia, New Zealand, Samoa, and even Tonga now, but these lower nations, the more international rugby league they can play, the better for the game in terms of the product and also expanding. Uh, You guys in the AFL, there's no real internationals. There's no real state of origin. Would you like to see, I know you used to have uh, the, after the, AFL season ended, you used to have the postseason internationals. That hasn't happened for a few years now. Would you like to see that brought back or are you happy with the way that there's no real representative footy being played? And there's always a lot of talk about origin as well in the AFL world. Yeah, I think I think we've had this discussion before, Dan, when it comes to state of origin in particular, mm. but I think it indicates where our competition's at. I don't see any sort of representative football being a part of our competition going forward, unless it is for an exhibition purpose or a fundraising purpose, as we had a couple of years ago with Victoria taking on the All-Stars for the bushfire relief. But I don't feel as if representative football is within our scope anymore. And, And the reason I suggest that is obviously because they've, players and clubs being hesitant about participating in a, in a state of origin format, but also our international rules. This was the series that essentially combined AFL and Gaelic. It would alternate years mm. as to whether or not it was played here in Australia or over in Ireland. And for the last decade prior to COVID, it was coughing and spluttering. The interest would... People would, would call for it. They'd play it and then it'd disappear for a while and no one really seemed to care. Then it would reappear and then it disappeared again. And since COVID, we haven't seen it played. In fact, it could have been a year or two prior to that. Um, And 
every now and again there's an appetite to hark back to it. I can remember as a kid that was one of the things you got excited about in the postseason because it was this unique format that was played that did feature the best players of the competition. There were some brawls that I think also impacted how willing Ireland was to participate in the competition mm. as well. But I just get this sense that representative football for us, as romantic as it would be and as much as traditionalists would love to see and love to see the best players, I think we'd love to see everyone competing against each other or the best players in a team to see what they could be able to achieve. But yeah. I just don't see that on the radar for us, unfortunately. And yeah, we, we haven't got footy, but we do have AFLW, and this is one of the reasons why AFLW's been moved into this window, is to to give it the time and, and space that it needs to breathe to keep the footy momentum rolling until early December. So that is, that is the option that we've headed down, is that mm. we've placed the women's competition, rather than at the start of the year as it has been previously, into this window between August and December. Mm. Uh, which is always, which is very, very good. And it's funny when you talk about the international game in terms of rugby league, a lot of people look at it, and you saw it last year in the Rugby League World Cup, where there were, were a lot of one-sided matches. But you're seeing the same in the rugby, and we'll get to the Wallabies uh, when we wrap things up, but you see the same at the Rugby Union World Cup. You see it in a lot of World Cups. So, look, I, I think for rugby league, which has always had an international flavour anyway, I think it has definitely grown over the past five or ten years. I think the fact that we have international... And I, I think the fact we just have rugby league for the next month is great anyway. How, how, how is that determined, the schedule? Because, as you said, there was the World Cup last year. You've got this specific championship this year. Is there a set structure into how it operates over a a window between World Cups, or is it just whoever's available that we can play? That is a fantastic question, Matty. I think that they are looking now, and I don't know if there was anything formally announced earlier in the year, but I, I think they are looking at playing international footy every year if they can. Um, we used to have, up until this year, you'll probably remember this, when we had the origin on the Sunday, we used to have, for five or six years, we used to have a rep weekend. Now, that didn't involve Australia or New Zealand because, uh, obviously, especially with Australia and all the best Australian players were playing Origin, but we saw the likes of Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, Papua New Guinea play, which was fantastic. Now, that gets taken away from them now, considering Origin is back to the three Wednesdays, which we saw this season just gone. So, look, I, I think they'll try and play international football every year, even if maybe one year it doesn't feature Australia or New Zealand, but at least they can still get those other teams playing. That might be an option if there is maybe a bit of talk about how much football these top players are playing. And you've also got to remember as well, the World Cup, the next World Cup was supposed to be in a couple of years' time in France. Now, that that was taken away, and we discussed that, well, what, three or four months ago now, Maddie, from France. And I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it was actually moved back a year as well. So there is now that extra year to sort out where the World Cup is going to be and also fit in more international footy. Um, yeah, I, I suppose the complaint uh, potentially is that the top players are playing a lot of football. If they're playing all the way until November, they get, what, two months off, then back to pre-season. But... Look, I think, as I said, the more international footy, the more footy, the better. And I think, uh, not with the lack of other sport, because there is obviously other sport going on, but I think with rugby league being back on, I think it will dominate uh, the ratings, at least in Sydney and Queensland, or New South Wales and Queensland, when it's on over the next few weeks. I'll be curious to see what traction it gains down yes. here. Because 
in the uh, past, it hasn't really hit our appetite. There is a game, just before we move on, there is actually a game at Amy Park, which we're trying to find out uh, when that is. I think it's in week three. It is. It's actually Australia, New Zealand on Saturday, the 28th of October at 10 past eight. So that'll be at Amy Park. So that'll be interesting to see how many people get to that. Well, there you go. I didn't even know that that was on. So that gives you an insight into mm. where our focus is down here. Now, you mentioned World Cups. We've yeah. got the Cricket World Cup on at the moment. Australia going down to India the other night, and there's been all sorts of conversations about whether or not we're prepared to tackle the tournament, whether the selection calls are right. Where, where's the interest level hovering for you, do you feel, for this one-day international World Cup? Because there is also a sense and a narrative that's beginning to develop suggesting that there's not that much interest anymore in the 50-over World Cup, which to me would rubber stamp the format of, well, if there's no interest in the World Cup, why do we have it? And it comes on the back of, I was having a bit of this discussion yesterday with uh, my cricket expert on the show, and look, he clearly has a lot of interest in it. Oh, look, I've been watching bits and pieces. isn't on at the greatest time slot for us usually, but uh, yesterday there was a game at 4pm, England were playing Bangladesh, so I sat down there and watched a little bit of it, but... Look, I am interested in it. Um, I've been keeping up uh, with to date with it. I've been listening to it overnight. But it's, it, it is an interesting one, one-day cricket, isn't it? Because I think most people, at least in this country, still rate uh, Test as number one. But then I still think 2020, it, it may even be ahead of uh, 50 over cricket now. And you've seen the crowds over there, Matty, as well. Outside of the India game against Australia and India in action again tonight, it, it's not been received very well in terms of crowds. They've been pretty poor, to be honest with you. Um, the other thing I think as well, Maddie, is that the World Cup, at, we noticed it when it was on here, uh, what, 2015, I think it was. It goes for a very, very long time. The final's not until the 19th of November. Um, so, and I don't think, well, there's no other World Cup that I can think of that goes that long. So it is a long haul if you're going to be there watching nearly every match or keeping up to date with nearly every match. Like everything, Maddie, I think if Australia turn things around and do uh, well and make it through to the semi-finals and the final, obviously interest will peak. But yeah, I, I just don't know where one day cricket sits at the moment in the scheme of importance uh, uh, in, in terms of cricket at the moment. And you reflect on the year that Australia has had, the Ashes Series, the yep. World Test Championship, our own series in India earlier in the year, and mm. the, the hype that was associated with all of those encounters. This World Cup hasn't got that from an Australian perspective. And you can argue, oh, that's maybe because the preparation for the tournament wasn't quite there. It's right in the middle of our footy finals build-up and post-footy mm. season, so our, our attention is elsewhere. Well, I'll argue that our attention was elsewhere during the middle of the year and the Ashes still dominated discussion. So I think that goes to show you where it sits in the scheme of things. And you reckon there's not a World Cup that runs longer than the ODI World Cup? Well, the rugby union one's going to have to run close. <laughs> They've only just finished the pool matches and it feels like we've been going three months. It does. That does seem to have been going quite some time as well. Unfortunately, the Wallabies aren't going to be there. I tell you what, I went on air as a Monday morning and said, oh, unlikely Portugal is going to win. And then I wasn't watching the match, but was keeping an eye on the scores through the breakfast show. They won, um, I, I, but obviously didn't 
didn't do enough for the Wallabies to get through. I, I, I do wonder if the Wallabies, all the players and the coaching staff were sitting in one room watching it and the false hope they would have had throughout some of it, it would have been pretty devastating. But look, uh, the, the Wallabies probably, well, actually, definitely really didn't deserve to be in the quarterfinals. And with no offence to Portugal at all, when you're relying on a team that hasn't won a game at the World Cup at a World Cup before uh, Monday, then you know you haven't really played well enough to be through to the next stage. But look, just before I ask you quickly about the Brisbane Lions, it'll be interesting to see, Manny, what does happen with the Wallabies now. Uh, the review, uh, once they get back, uh, they probably breathe a little bit. And all eyes, I suppose, on Eddie Jones as well and what he does next because we know there's been a lot of talk about him in the news over the past two or three weeks. Yeah, is he going to be let back into the country or is he on a flight <clears> to <throat> Japan immediately from France? Might be in Japan now. Um, just one question before I let you go. The Brisbane Lions, uh, they're not going to be... It is a couple of years away, but what's happening with them and the Gabba? Yeah, this story bobbed up yesterday and it was largely because Andrew Dillon's in Queensland at the moment for our inclusion carnival up there and he met with the Queensland government reportedly for informal talks yesterday Mm. about where Brisbane are going to play their home games beyond 2026 for a period of four years as the Gabba is rebuilt for the 2032 Olympics. At this stage the Brisbane Lions CEO Greg Swan has indicated Mm. There are two options on the table, a a rebuilding of the Brisbane Showgrounds Stadium or an upgrade to their new facility, Brighton Homes Arena, to increase the capacity. The problem with that one is that it's a bit further removed from the Brisbane CBD and obviously the showgrounds are on the edge of the CBD, so it means it's more enticing for crowds. But considering the success that the Brisbane Lions have had over the last couple of years they're going to get nowhere near the capacity of the existing Gabba which is 36,000 which for a period of this footy club entering some success could be an issue when it comes to crowd numbers and the impact that that will have financially so it's curious how this will unfold as we head towards the deadline of 2026 and you feel as if you will get some sort of movement over the next 12 months as to where they're going to play their games. The one alternative that was ruled out was Metricon Stadium, which for me would be the perfect fit in terms of capacity, but obviously it's removed from Brisbane, so that creates the discrepancy. Yeah, going to be really interesting uh, with that. We've, we've sort of had experience with that with Allianz Stadium being built in Sydney with the Roosters having to play at the SCG for a couple of years. Now that so, sort of coincided with COVID, so they didn't play as many games as they expected to. The Panthers, who reigning uh, premiers or three-time premiers, are going to have to be playing at Combank over, uh, in the next couple of years as well while their stadium gets renovated. So we do have experience of it in the NRL. I, I suppose... The difference between the NRL and the AFL is the NRL can play on a cricket-style ground, as we saw with teams like the Roosters. AFL would struggle to play on a ground that is made for rugby league. So, yeah, especially with the way the Lions are going as well. Yeah, interesting to see how that all unfolds over the next few years. You don't want to take a few seats out of Suncorp, can you, so we can put a wing on either side of the ground? No, no, we, we need Suncorp for uh, Magic Round. I was almost going to call it proper footy, but I wouldn't do that. Uh, I'll leave that to my good friend, Charlie Good, sir. Yeah, good morning, Charles. Uh, yes, uh, he's in here today. Thank you, Dan. Good to chat as always. Thank you, Maddie. We'll speak next week. Have a hot lemon drink. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Matthew Cox on the line from Melbourne uh, to talk all things sport. Just a couple of things there before we get to your text, and the show's all yours for the remainder of the show. The trade window stuff we were talking about with Matty, would you like to see a trade window like the AFL are doing at the moment? Would you like to see it a bit more, I, I suppose, organised in the NRL compared to what it is at the moment, which it does appear to be a bit all over the place. Or, or do you think the system we have at the moment maybe is the best one? I know they're looking at tweaking things and doing things a little bit differently from next year. Um, and do you have a problem if a player, um, say a Jerome Luai, a Joey Manu, there's a lot of others out there as well, on November 2, signs for another club for 2025? I mean, we're seeing this, uh, it, it's a bit different with Joseph Suali'i at the Roosters, who signed with Rugby Union uh, well, two years ahead, basically, in what was it, April, May of this year, and still at this stage is at the Roosters next year and Rugby Union and then in 2025. Or we know it is a business now. We know the players have to look after themselves and we understand that. But do you think there is a better way to do it? Uh, maybe a trade window at the end of the year. Look, I, I, my personal opinion is that, and people do this all the time, uh, the grand final is the first weekend of October. Now, Apart from exceptional circumstances, and there's always going to be those, but the grand final is the 1st of October. You have a trouble this first weekend of October. You have a trade window if we do copy what the AFL have done over a two-week period. It still gives you three, four, I know you have to get to pre-season training, but still gives you three, four, five months to potentially move state if that's what you have to do. I don't know. I, I, I just think... The distraction during the season is not great. I think it's okay at the end of the season because there's no rugby league on the field to be talking about in terms of NRL. Would you like to see what the AFL do? It is an interesting one. Also, athletes that have gone out on a high, plenty of text there. We'll get to them in a second. All for the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation, and power without limits. And don't forget, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game with over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance. T's and C supply. Show's all yours on the other side of the break. It's 18 to 6, 18 to 5 in Queensland. Good to have your company, 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. Let's go to your text. Firstly, this from the Oval Treeman. He says, hi, Dan. A quick note to say that my working hours have changed for the next four weeks. So more than likely won't be able to tune into the show. Yeovil Treeman, you can always jump on the podcast, on the 1170 podcast feed. Uh, but back to normal hours early next month and back to being part of the listing audience then. Thanks. Uh, well, we look forward to having you then, uh, Yeovil Treeman. I'm off for a couple of weeks uh, in mid-November, but looking forward to talking sport with you uh, later on in the year. Enjoy the sleep-ins, if that's what you're getting. Uh, highlights, uh, people, players going out on top. Ash Barty, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, no name on that text, ends in 837. Uh, still remember the night of her Australian Open uh, final, which was what, last year? That seems like a long, long time ago now. Um, just an amazing athlete. And still, I, I remember the day when it was announced that she retired when I first heard, I oh, thought, what? Um, and you look at women's tennis now, now there's still a lot of great players around, but gee, you'd think if she had remained uh, relatively injury-free, she would have been fine. Uh, let's go for a quick call on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Adam's on the line. Morning to you, Adam. Hello. Hello, Adam. Hello. Hi, mate. How are you going? What do you want to talk about? Hello. Uh, okay, Adam uh, was there, but uh, 
Can't hear me. We'll try and rectify uh, that. Back to the text. Big G, uh, talking about Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, morning, Dan. For sportsmen who have finished on a high, you only have to look at the past weekend. Leaving supercars at the end of the year and leaves having won Bathurst. Uh, and talking about, as I say, Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of players that have left on a high, athletes that have left on a high. This one on the Everest, and the Everest barrier draw was done last night. Uh, Gary says, Daniel, the trouble with the Everest is we're smashed for six months with the promotion before the race. The Melbourne Cup needs no promotion at all. It is the greatest race in Australia. Also, the general public in Melbourne don't give a rat's about the Everest. Look, that's probably um, all true. It's something we didn't uh, get to with Matty, but we might have a chat with him about that next week, is uh, the fact that, uh, and it's what I said at the top of the show, Gary, as well. Look, I, I think the Everest is big. Uh, clearly in Sydney, it's big. The crowd they'll get at Randwick is big. No doubt about that. A lot of interest in it. They've done a fantastic job about it, uh, with it. But I still think the Melbourne Cup on a national scale is a lot more, there's a lot more interest in it. And if you go out in, what, three, four weeks' time um, to basically any pub, any restaurant, any function area in and around Sydney or New South Wales and Queensland, you are going to get people that are paid to go to places. You're going to get pubs packed on a Tuesday afternoon. I don't think, now, obviously on Saturday, pubs are going to be packed, but that is a Saturday. It's got to be, I'd imagine, close to sold out at Randwick. Very different to Melbourne Cup. So I do think the Melbourne Cup still holds more of an interest generally for people. But it is an interesting one um, and how well they have done. And you don't have to compare them. Um, but I still think, if we're talking about it, the Melbourne Cup still does uh, rate higher in terms of uh, the Australian sporting calendar than the Everest, but the Everest uh, doing very well as well. As I say, the barrier draw was done last night. one 736 We'll take a break. Come back with more. 10 to, five, uh, 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. Yes, don't forget we're here for the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. Brings you all the news of the day. One more text to finish things off before we leave and the breakfast show asking about uh, highlights, uh, players going out on top. Uh, this is from 2pm. Pete, hey, Dan. Uh, Cooper Cronk retired a champ after back-to-back -back premierships with the Roosters up the Chookies. 2pm, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Well, yeah, but not, not only that, and that was a fantastic achievement of course, um, especially that 2018 grand final performance. Played four grand finals in a row at the end of his career. 16, 17, 18, 19, uh, winning three of them. Actually, uh, yeah, won 17, 18 and 19. So technically went out with three premierships in a row. Uh, he did his own uh, three, Pete, and of course played nine grand finals throughout his career. A wonderful, wonderful career. Thank you for your company today. Tomorrow on the show, Chris Perkins from America. Also, Paul Dennett will talk some cricket. Breakfast coming up, though, with Vossi and Brandy. They are back. Uh, Queensland, this is you'll get the first hour of Vossi and Brandy before Patton Heels take over from 6 a.m. local time in just over an hour's time. Have a great Wednesday. I'll catch you tomorrow morning from 5 a.m., 4 a.m. Queensland time. Breakfast follows the news.